Welcome to the Sight Pen Podcast, episode 16, um, take two, as of course there were computer problems the first try, but luckily we were only 30 seconds in and nothing had happened yet, except for me being hilarious and telling the best joke ever. Right, guys? Right? Remember? Remember that? Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. Sounds right. Yeah. Computers good stuff. Computers are the worst. It was good stuff. Computers are awful. Who what makes was, this crap? Was the joke about how your ad reads are funny? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was, it was, that was. That was a good joke. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was going to do an ad read, and then um, I said it was going to be, for the first time, it was going to be different, and then Neil said that um, it would be funny. So now I'm not going to do it. So screw you, Neil. <laughs> screw you. Yeah. Yeah, this one, this, this podcast brought to you by Skype, but just barely. It's barely brought to you by Skype. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. That's a really good point. Um, okay, so let's redo the reintroductions now. So with us today is Nick Nisi. Hoi hoi. Paul Shannon. Howdy. And Neil Roberts. Just happy to be here. I am Tori Rice, which I'm not sure if I've been remembering to say that at any point, but I'm sure that nobody cares, so it doesn't matter. Um, but Neil, it's good to have you back, buddy. Thanks. I mean, it's good to have you here too, Nick and Paul, but you know, Neil's got a special. I understand. Neil's the real star. Yes, really is. Um, today we are going to be talking all about President Trump. I mean, wow. Hi. That's a scary thought. Yeah. I mean, that's, uh, I just started to see how that would say a normal conversation, and I just <laughs> threw up a little in my mouth and had to stop again. So Careful. Tori, do you want two world leaders after you? <laughs> <laughs> it's a really good point. They're probably, they're probably definitely in cahoots with each other. So um, They're going to sick that would be interesting. on you. That would be interesting. Like, what if you got Trump and Kim Jong-un in a room together? Like, would they just argue the whole time about who is the greatest at any given thing? You could just see Trump be like, now, now I, I am really good. Like the, the Korea people really love me. They really do. They love me a lot. Um, I think that they would have share some common ground over like building walls and, and stuff to keep people out or in, in some cases. Yeah, I think that this could be fascinating in a terribly troubling way. Um, Yep, this, this actually, this episode was supposed to be brought to you by Cirque du Soleil and um, Trump University, which are offering a course on mental gymnastics so that you can vote without wanting to kill yourself this November. Um, but we couldn't get that deal signed um, in time, so this is not brought to you by them. Um, anyway, moving on, this entire episode is actually going to be about modules, um, what they yeah. are, what they do what they are going to do, and everything in between. This also sadly means that I'll have absolutely nothing to say except for random, possibly un, um, unrelated or irrelevant jokes. Um, well, that and you just promised all this great stuff to them, and now it's on our backs. Thank, thanks, Tori. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's what I do here. So I'll, I'll just hit mute and you just, just take it away. I don't know, but... Um, who is going to do intro to modules? Let's see. 
Was that was that Paul? Um, anybody, <clears throat> I can take it. I heard Paul. Everybody here knows modules. Everybody loves modules. I don't. That's why we're here today. Well, nobody likes working with modules, but the concept, I mean, there's been so many loaders written, so many module formats. Everybody likes theirs. Uh, Node can't give up common JS, like even though there's a real module format on the, on the horizon, right? Right, Nick? Well, they, yeah, sort of. Let's hope. <laughs> Well, it's just, you know, you know, common JS, it's too perfect to give up. Um, anyway, we'll get to that later. Uh, but we have, what, an intro to, to modules? Tori went on mute, so I have no idea. Yeah, that's what, it, that's okay. what I said. Intro to modules. Oh, there he is. Okay. What okay. the hell is so, a module? Um, so a module <clears throat> is um, a piece of code that hopefully has a single responsibility. So just basically a block of code that, that you would share um, with another block of code. Uh, so when, when you typically modularize something, it's, it's just a bundle of functionality that you hopefully, uh, that hopefully relates to one another, although there's no strict rules on that, and I've seen the rules constantly broken. Um, but, uh, you know, a good indication, if, if you're familiar with AMD, is a module is anything you're going to um, define uh, if you're familiar with common JS, a module is anything you explicitly say is a module. So either you're exporting something or, or what have you. So it's going to have its own file. Can we um, can we describe those a little bit more? Just because they're they're kind of the prolific ones that we use right now. Um, sure. So AMD and common JS. Do you want to do you want to describe them, Nick? <laughs> All right. I'm just kind of rambling <laughs> at this point. Uh, so AMD is the asynchronous module definition is what it stands for. And it's a uh, module format that um, Dojo and RequireJS typically use. That's kind of the, when, when you think about AMD modules, you're probably using one of those two loaders. Um, and then CommonJS is using Node. Uh, it, it, it's what Node uses internally. So when you're requiring in something and it, looks in looks locally or looks in the node modules directory and brings that in uh but those modules are also typically as paul said they're they're usually single purpose code that you can reuse and they're typically mapped uh one to one with the files that are in a project as well although they don't necessarily have to be do they no you can have multiple defines in a single file although Probably you probably have to do some magic to, to deviate from the common JS way of doing things. Right. Um, so, AMD on one hand, it has a module format that allows you to do some kind of neat stuff. Uh, like AMD has plugins that that kind of integrate naturally with the module format. So instead of just loading files, you can also uh, load a file and do a pre-process type event on that that file, or you can load things that are not necessarily. Uh, strictly Java uh, script or um, JSON. So common JS, as far as I know, everything either has to be uh, JSON or JavaScript, or I think there's still CoffeeScript support and things like that through some loader options. But um, that's good because CoffeeScript yeah, is my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody likes learning how to not use semicolons. Um, so, yeah, so that, that tends to be like a, a, a little bit of a difference between the AMD standards is you have plugins 
and CommonJS. Um, also, like AMD uh, kind of started out as this this system, this module system that you didn't have to um, you didn't have to run a compile step in order to work. So you can bring in AMD modules and you don't have to run a compile step, and it, it's very nice for the web. For uh, Node, Node does all the dancing around so you can avoid a compile step there on the CommonJS format. But once you get into the browser, you're, you're basically, in, again, you're going to use Browserify or I think what Webpack to, to do a compilation on the, on the browser side of things. Yeah. So, um, so AMD will, will asynchronously create script tags in your page, and then you provided a callback that will get called when all of the necessary script tags are loaded. Uh, so that you have all of, you have access to everything that you need, and because you're using callbacks like that, everything is just naturally wrapped in a closure, so you're not polluting the global namespace at all. And then uh, CommonJS is uh, in Node; it's more of a synchronous loader. So you just say var uh, fs equals require fs, and it will load the fs module and then provide it right there on that variable. You're not doing anything asynchronously. At that point, so that doesn't translate well into the browser, which is why you have to have this build step that makes sure to put the FS code before the code that's using FS. For example, not that you would use FS in the browser, but um, yeah, just make sure that it's and all AMD, there. And AMD does the same thing. Right. You, you can actually com have a compile step that compiles AMD into a single file for better distribution purposes. So right. when you go to production, you have a built file, and the 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 builder takes care of making sure all the modules come in the right order and, and all that other fun stuff. Um, so in, at the end of the day, they're the same thing, right, Nick? <laughs> Pretty much. I, when it goes to protection, <laughs> except for the the um, extra configuration that you can have in AMD, it seems. You can have a lot more configuration remap uh, modules. Um, you can have plugins, and then the build system can uh, intern things like uh, HTML into your JavaScript and other things, but Web Webpack can also do that for CommonJS stuff or AMD stuff. So, you know, there, there's trade-offs. But basically, there's these two module formats that um, were created by the JavaScript community and uh, are pretty widely used because JavaScript has lacked modules for so long. So I haven't used Webpack too much. If I'm Webpacking, uh, <laughs> can I? webpack html into commonjs and then run it through node or is it only a browser specific type thing like how does how does webpack resolve that i don't know i haven't used webpack <laughs> and if i'm using webpack can i create module layers like i can with amd so if i want to load like a core subset of functionality first and then come back with additional uh, an, an additional layer on top of that stuff that I don't want to load in my initial thing because I don't want a web page larger than than the original Doom. Um, can I do that with Webpack? He's asking you, Neil. You don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I, so so if anybody knows, um, yeah, uh, you know, hit me up on Twitter or like send me. I don't know. Send me a postcard. You'd ask Forbes, I think. Either one. Yeah, we've got. Yeah, he's on. He's on vacation. It's just no, easier it's asking, like the Twitterverse. We've got some devs that are using Webpack right now at SitePen. Um, the project that I'm on is not currently doing that, and I haven't had enough time uh, to look into it too deeply. Um, but I have seen some of the things that it can do, and it is it is pretty cool. You can do these 
modules that um, I forgot what they're called in in Webpack, but where you can you can create it like a common layer, and then create other layers, and then uh, dynamically have those other layers loaded in when they're needed and not before. Oh, okay, that might that might do it then. That that would, might be nice. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure that it does also combine like HTML and CSS into your JavaScript as well, so that you can you have these. I don't know what they're called, bundles, maybe, or packs. I don't know. I don't know the terminology. <laughs> Web packs. Um, yeah, <laughs> that that you can load in and 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 use. So you just have one one nice way to to load everything in and then use it. That that could certainly be nice. I, I bet it would get complicated if you're like, oh, I don't want to load any of my HTML templates until I really absolutely need them. And you're dispersing, like, I don't know, 50 HTML templates as, like, separate Webpack thing you use. I don't know. I don't know. It's it's worth looking into. But, uh, yeah. Okay, so those are the two popular formats. Um, what about ESM, the, the new ECMAScript 6? module format yeah so in uh, along with several other changes to to javascript uh that came in with es6 we kind of got a uh, module syntax and you've probably seen it it has um, imports and exports uh, import commands export commands and um, it utilizes the destructuring syntax uh, of objects to uh, allow you to load in pieces of a file and make those be in scope inside of your module uh, or the entire file on some uh, object that you can reference and use it like that. So this is kind of a, a finally a built-in module syntax for the language itself. Uh, but that's all we got. We just kind of got the syntax for it and how that could be used. But uh, currently there's there's things that um, the what WG uh, working group are looking into, and that's um, things for the loader. How do we actually load these modules in? So name resolution. Um, they there's a proposal for uh, script tags with a type of module, so that you can differentiate them between JavaScript that would run on the page and JavaScript that you would load on the page to be a module. And then um, with regards to caching those modules once they're loaded in. So if you load it in to your environment and you request it again, uh, that it pulls from cache instead of trying to go get that module again in some way. Yeah, so, so just to be clear, when you have an ESM, you can't, you can't run that directly like a script tag, right? Like you, you actually have to, to treat it as a separate JavaScript entity almost. Right. And that's because there's nothing that executes really. Exactly right. It's just loading that code in to be called and used by other code that wants to call and use it that is being executed. Yeah. Um, and that and, that kind of ties into some of the problems that we'll talk about with uh, Node and the the struggles that they're having internally right now. Um, yeah. Because you do have to. Do you think that? <clears throat> do you think that um, Donald Trump and Kim Jong Un would spend a lot of time talking about how to execute code? <laughs> Listen. I think they'd spend a lot of time how how to execute Tory. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, Donald Trump practically invented JavaScript. How does and... Trump script execute? <clears throat> <laughs> well, in the greatest way possible, I'm sure. I'm asking for a friend. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, 
So if you've been using ES modules, you can use the ES module syntax today in JavaScript and in TypeScript. Um, but when you're running it, you're probably uh, transpiling it down to something that can run today, like CommonJS or AMD. So we're still pretty dependent on those module formats today while those proposals are being, uh, while the working group is working through those issues, uh, trying to get them resolved and, and standardized. Yeah, if you want to use ESM today in, in the in the browser, you're looking at what? System.js is your, your only solution, pretty much? Right. Or you're going to have to transpile it to one of the other formats you're talking about? Correct. Yeah. So um, as far as like why ESM goes, um, I mean, I think first of all, we should we should probably lay out why why a new module format when we already had common JS and AMD. Uh, probably the first thing that the, the working groups did is they took a look at common JS and AMD and then they looked at the communities and they went, holy shit, nobody can agree on anything. We need to make our own format just to throw something else into the mix, right? Um, and then the other big thing um, is that ES, uh, ESM or ES6 modules are, are actually very nicely statically uh, analyzable. That's probably a term. <laughs> um, in that all of your imports and exports, which are the syntax that you use to define what goes in and out of, of your module, all of those have to be at the top level of your code. Yep. And all of them uh, represent... A, a reference to that module. Now, to be clear, it's unlike CommonJS and AMD, where it's an actual object uh, or a, a primitive um, that's provided to you from that file and held by the overall module system. That that is actually a it's actually a reference. So, for instance, if you import a variable uh, like a const or a let or something like that, I, or at least a const. I don't know if you can do let, but if you import a variable or something from another ESM module, um, and you make a change on your side, that change does not happen globally for everybody else importing that module. It, because it's, it's, it's just a, a reference back to that thing. It's not the actual, uh, it's not the actual thing being shared. Um, but on the other hand, if you wanted to make it, so if you wanted to make a change to something in a module, you would actually like a variable in a module, you would actually need to call a function in and have that function make the change. You're talking about with ES modules? Yeah, ESM, or yeah, ES6 modules. Like if I said export default let num equals three and then imported that into a file and then changed that value to five, it wouldn't change in the other module? Nope. I thought I saw an example. Because they're just, would. it would if you also export a function that that say you increment it, if you export a function that also does an increment, and then you use that function in the originating module to increment the value in the originating module, it will make a change. If it makes a change, like if you're using system.js or you're transpiling, it's, it's doing it wrong. Um, and so for that reason, uh, it's pretty statically analyzable. So I mean, imagine, Imagine if you had like a function and you imported that function and then you went and you changed that function for everybody else somehow. But anyway, uh, so it's, it's statically analyzable. And, and the benefit of this is, if I remember correctly, HTTP2 co is coming along. 
And one of the nice things about HTTP2 is that you can, um, you can push data to browsers. You no longer have to wait for requests to come in, but you can actually do these pushes. And so in some distant future, the hope is that your, your uh, server might be able to statically analyze your JavaScript and then push ahead in a batch um, all of the uh, all of the code necessary to to run your your JavaScript application um, without having you to transpile it all together or or build it all together. So you can you can start at some JavaScript point or JavaScript module, and it says, "I depend on all these things. I depend on all these things. You know, et cetera, et cetera." And then the the server can just push it all together as a single batch to to the browser and not have to go through the the hoops that we go through today. So, oh, I, um, yeah. I see. I found an example of exactly that, and you're right. Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's a little funky. You can make a change, but you have to make it through the original module uh, by passing out a function and, and allowing that change to happen. Yeah, but it's yeah, it's interesting that it'll. I mean, it's not interesting, but it's yeah. I don't know. You're right. It is. It just is. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So um, we'll probably we should probably in the show notes uh, post like how to do imports and exports in the modules, but that's basically the only syntax in ESM is import and export, and exactly how you do imports and exports. Yeah. So um, that. It, it, I don't know. What do you guys think about the syntax for ES modules? Do you like it? I think it's mostly good. I'm annoyed that um, they use... So I'm annoyed that um, destructuring uses colons to rename a variable. Yeah. Whereas in, in export, um, you use as. Mm -hmm. So just to clear it up for anybody... Uh, when you use destructuring, you can you can say like, oh, I'm going to destruct destructure this, and the property name is you know Nick, but I'm going to put a colon and really call it Neil in my own code. And then when you come to uh, importing and exporting and doing that same renaming, you would say Nick as Neil um, in your in your little uh, curly braces to to do that rename in your localized code. Yeah, and the reason you might do something like that is if you have two different modules that both export an add method, for example, or some some method with the same name, you can rename it locally so that you know and can use both of them together in the same place. Yeah, or if you just don't like the name that they use. You know, yeah. any of those things. If you want to use Unicode in your name now, right? <laughs> <laughs> the poo variable. The poo variable. Yeah, emojis. Oh, I can't wait for emojis to hit uh, as as valid JavaScript uh, syntax. They do in Node right now, I believe. Oh, yeah. Gosh. Speaking of things no one needed or asked for, <laughs> um, that's crazy. Like, why does that even happen? Like, seriously, what what on what could be the possible reason that that is important to do? <laughs> Good question. Don't all don't all answer at once. <laughs> oh, it wasn't rhetorical. A, a picture's worth a thousand it's, words. Kutori. It's preparing us for our future jobs where we do all of our programming on an iPad with 
the emoji keyboard only or with a supplemental emoji keyboard on screen? I would just be using a sad face. <laughs> um, okay. So I think that that um, ends the, the intro to modules. Um, so should we move on to um, module resolution in TypeScript? All right, that, I'll second that. that. Third. Yeah, so uh, yeah. Third, okay, we got a third. Motion <laughs> follows. Okay, we'll move on, Tori. <laughs> we Thanks, guys. Yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, <clears throat> next, I kind of wanted to talk about um, module resolution in TypeScript. And so a few months ago, uh, okay, so let me back up. Uh, there's this nice handbook that TypeScript offers that provides a lot of information on how to use TypeScript. And I, I referred to it a lot when I started off. And in addition to the handbook, they also have like a little playground that you can, you can play around with TypeScript if you haven't already. So a few months ago, I think in March, they added um, information on how TypeScript does its module resolution because it is infuriating how it does it. Um, it's, um, it's a little confusing and having this section really helps a lot. So um, right now, there, there's two ways that modules are resolved. And when I talk about modules, I'm mostly talking about ambient declarations because that tends to be the, the nastiest part that, that people deal with of module resolution. And so there's, there's the classic way which is more um, like AMD centric. And then there's the node way, which is more common JS centric. And so a few months ago, they made the change to have the standard way of doing module resolution switch from classic AMD to node. So just to go over each, um, the, the classic mode or the classic method of, of resolving a module, and that's when you do import you know, this from, um, you know, quotes, and then you provide some module, um, that module resolution used to go through classic. And what it did is it would, it would take that module name and it would walk up your tree until it hit the root to try to find a match of that module name. And, um, for the most part, that's really what you need. Uh, so if you're, if you're using AMD, your your node is either going to resolve to some or your your module is either going to resolve to something uh, in your your folder hierarchy, or it's you're going to walk up to the root of your hierarchy and you're going to have something like your source folder or something like that that you may have another um, another folder that it it might match. So if you're using like uh, if you're using a mapped or a package uh, name, then your package names if they match it would just walk up. And you wouldn't have to necessarily explicitly say, you know, this package is here and this is where its, its definitions are. Um, the major use case for that is if you have a test package and you have a, it mapped to your source, then it will walk up your it will walk up to the root of where your code is, and it'll see you have a source directory which you should name the same way as your as your um, as your mapping and modules and everything. And it would start it would say, oh, here's my source. Let's see if there's a match and and you know, apply the module there in its full its full hierarchy and find that match there. So you don't have to explicitly provide ambient declarations for those things. Um, so now um, the fun thing is that they've switched over to the node method of, of doing these things, which is 
which is actually really perfect for people who bring in modules using NPM. So if you bring in modules using NPM, it uses node resolution to do that, which means if you say, I want module B.TS, it'll start where you're at and it'll walk up and, and check every folder to see if there's a node modules folder or if that named thing happens there, if there's a package JSON there with a main, um, and then it keeps doing that until it, it makes it all the way up your hierarchy um, and, and tries to resolve that. Oh, it, it, the big thing it searches for, it also searches for an index.d.ts, uh, just like Node. So if any of those things happen to match on its way up your, your chain, just like Node uh, uh, does, then um, it will use that to resolve the module. Now the the really nice part about that is if you're distributing a module and you have like an index.d.ts, um, when you import that module, it's, it automatically applies that ambient declaration to the module you've directly imported, regardless of what that folder name happens to be. So um, if you happen to have multiples, you can rename them. If you happen to have like weird things going on, it's, it's just gonna map every ambient declaration, everything that comes out of that, that module to your index.d.ts. And so you don't have to mess around with explicitly defining modules like you do with AMD um, in your, in your uh, ambient declarations. Um, so, you know, that's, that's a good win, but it also makes it really more difficult for AMD and classic type authors that, that, that have module and package names that don't match this format. So um, those, those are the two ways that, that TypeScript now resolves things. Um, I've noticed that if you define your output, uh, uh, your output module format when you're transpiling with TypeScript to AMD, it still will, uh, it'll switch back to classic format. Um, so if you're using uh, so for instance, I was using Redux and using Node and Intern. Um, I had to play around with all of those things. And, and by the way, if you're using Intern as AMD format and um, you're using Node, uh, testing Node packages using Node resolution, um, you're probably gonna wanna put a separate TS config in each, uh, both Intern and your, your source directory. So you can tell it, you can tell Intern to compile as AMD um, and you can tell Node to compile using the, the Node format and uh, perhaps even CommonJS or UMD. Uh, and then tests would go against your, your compiled code rather than um, your, your raw code as, as typically they do today. If you're using Node, if you're using AMD on both sides or even UMD or you're targeting the browser, you know, you can still use classical all the way around and nothing would change. So. There, yeah, that's my big update. Is there ever a reason why you wouldn't want to use UMD? Is it just if you explicitly needed AMD uh, plugin support? Um, so, yeah, I mean, if you're using AMD plugin support, use I wouldn't use UMD. It's a little disingenuous unless you also have support for resolving that somehow. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, if you're writing if you're writing a node module, it's purely server side based. Um, I would again say it's a little disingenuous to use a UMD format when you have no intention of using AMD. And if your only reason of doing that is for your tests, then you come down to purist arguments. Like, should your tests affect your um, source code? 
and I would argue, you know, not necessarily. They shouldn't. Um, only when it makes your code better. And, and in this case, it, it wouldn't. Sure. So that makes sense. I would say maybe in that case, yeah. So yeah, if you were using a node module, I'd recommend compile the source code as common JS, create an ambient declaration with using, um, uh, uh, oh, whatchamacallit, the, the tool that we have. DTS generator. <laughs> Thank you, DTS generator. Um, and then have your tests run against that because intern right now is, is pretty much all AMD. Um, I mean, feasibly you could compile your your intern configuration files AMD and then tell it to switch off to node and do everything node wise. But th if you're not doing UMD then, then you have a painful, like you have to compile that and then you have to compile everything else separate as common JS or UMD. So yeah, uh, I would still recommend for the time being and, and I think we're looking into system JS and other things on intern, time being, you know, keep the, the AMD on the tests and then run against your compile code, which is what you want to do anyway, because that's what, what's going to hit production. And if you're artifacting, that's what should be an artifact anyway. Nice. Great overview. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Tori, our host of all hosts, what is next? Um, besides me throwing my computer out of a window. Um, Let's get yeah. video of that. Yeah. That'll be in the show notes. I, wanna, I want that to be part of the show. Yeah, we can all we can listen. <laughs> good luck can because listen. I can office space. I can style. barely do this show with this computer, so I don't know how to be part of the show. But this computer so far is being part of the show by keeping me out of it by screwing up constantly. Um, <laughs> Unbeknownst to our listeners, I don't even know. Tori has rebooted a couple of times. Yeah, issues, issues, issues. Um, so I don't even know. Like I wrote something down here from the thing, um, from our pre-meeting. <laughs> I don't even know what it is. I, I don't know what's next. I, I really don't know what well, that means. So uh, uh, Paul just was describing how module resolution works in TypeScript. And uh, so we were also going to talk about how module resolution may work in uh, Node as well. Uh, because that's kind of a hot topic issue right now in the the world. Uh, and uh, so right now, Node just supports CommonJS, and that's it. Um, you'll, you might see some modules that are written using ES modules, the ESM syntax, but they're transpiling back to CommonJS and being used in that way uh, for all Node modules. Um, but because this is a feature that's being built into the language, it makes sense that Node would want to support that and that it should be something, it should be an option that you can use because, you know, this should be the standard going forward. We should all collapse to this. It'd be a little weird if we just had, um, you know, a built-in module syntax and then we were all just using this uh, grassroots um, community-driven one instead because we didn't like that one or, or for other reasons. And I don't think that I don't personally mind the new syntax. I like it a lot, so I don't see an issue why or a reason why that would would be the case. Um, but they want to add this ability to node to to be able to use those in the future. And so the um, the proposal that they currently have uh, involves um, renaming uh, j or um, I'm sorry renaming modules that are going to use the ES6 module syntax. Uh, 
to .mjs. So instead of having a JS extension, they'll have a .mjs extension. And uh, there's a couple of reasons for that. So when they came out with uh, an enhancement proposal, um, they set up some constraints on what on how they want these uh, how they want ES modules to work in Node. And uh, so a couple of the things that they, the, a couple of the constraints that they want to try and follow is uh, they don't want, um, they don't want to double parse the files. As we mentioned, the, the difference between loading executable JavaScript and module JavaScript is um, the executable JavaScript will be run right away. Module JavaScript is just loaded into the environment to be used by the runnable code. And so they have to figure out a way to determine what is uh, a module and what is not a module. And beyond that, what is an ESM module and what is a common JS module? Because they don't want to break the entire Node ecosystem uh, as soon as they implement this. So it has to be compatible and interoperable with common JS. That's another constraint. And they'd like the solution to be self-contained, and um, they they want to try and um, make it performant. They don't want to impose any performance costs and make it so that <laughs> non-JavaScript tools can understand what is going on without having to. Even though they're even though their format like walks up and down your whole directory structure, they don't want to impose any <laughs> performance costs. Really? Yes. <laughs> okay. Really. All right. <laughs> uh, yeah. So they don't want to. Uh, they they want tools like uh, if you wrote a Bash script or something else that's not JavaScript, they want it to be able to to work as a script instead of and not have to to know, you know, is this a common JS module? Is it a an ESM module? Uh, and what? So um, with that, the proposal that, that uh, currently exists involves just the simplest one, renaming ESM modules to .mjs. And they went through, uh, they have a, a GitHub page that talks about all of these different uh, file extensions that they looked at and vetoed for various reasons. Uh, but .mjs seems to be the one that they want to, to go with. And so that way, uh, when the file is being loaded uh, by no, by the node loader, it can immediately determine, boom, this is a JavaScript, an ESM module. And if it doesn't have an MJS on it, this is going to be treated as common JS, and it'll just work as it does normally today. And so um, that has advantages where all of the existing code today will just automatically keep working as normal because it's all named .js. And so only in the future, as things start becoming .mjs, will things change. Um, but they, and then uh, it also supports uh, compatibility with both ES modules and CommonJS modules because you can do things like when you're specifying your main file in your package.json, you can just leave off the extension and call it uh, index, for example, and then have an index.js for CommonJS and an index.mjs for ES modules. And so whichever one uh, you want to use, it, it can just load that in first. So it would first try and look for the .mjs, and if that exists, it would use it. Otherwise, it would fall back and look for the .js uh, and use that. So that is is one proposal. Um, but I don't know, what, what do you guys think are some some negatives about that? So 
I hated it at first because I'm like, well, it's JavaScript and, you know, the gall of CommonJS to like say, oh, there is this .js real JavaScript <laughs> and there's this like MJS out there that's not. But you know what? It's it's valid because even in the browser, you can't run modules as code. Like modules are modules and code is code. And there, there's a difference there. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I think... I think that they could have done this a little more gently. Like they could have had a, um, a definition in their package JSON that says, Hey, I'm using ESM or I'm using uh, common JS and then switched at that level. That would uh, break rather tools than having though. another. That would break existing tools. <laughs> um, how would that break existing tools if they defaulted to common JS? Well, why don't the, they just wait a few weeks until the, all new tools are written <laughs> to replace those tools anyway. As soon as Leftpad leaves again, then we'll have to rewrite them anyway. Um, exactly. <laughs> no. Uh, if, yeah. if, you were, you if you were using, using a no-op module from NPM? <laughs> <laughs> if you were using .js as your file extension for everything, and but you were writing ES6 modules, and I'm sitting over here on Node 4 uh, because that's the LTS version, and I try and bring that in, the tooling that I use right now does not know to go look in the package.json for anything to determine whether this is CommonJS or uh, ESM. And so it will just fail for me, and that will fail on the LTS version until I get off of it or until the tools are fixed. Okay, so if I remember correctly, there's an engine ver. Okay, all right, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there, there's a, there's an engine version that you can say this is, you know, for the minimum version of Node that you, you support, if I remember correctly, or did they get rid of that? Uh, I think there is. So you should be able to say, hey, LTS for whatever users, this is a Node 6 thing. Be- because, like, yes, it, it, it won't necessarily break it per se, but it just won't run if you don't have both index.js and index.mjs, right? Like, that's the alternative if you're writing something like this. Either you write both formats mm-hmm. so the the other user can use it, or you write... I don't know. I mean, if... Yeah. Yeah, and that's that's the thing, too. Inside of your code, you can, you can use require or import and leave off the file extension, and it will first try and load the ESM modules... Uh, and if they don't exist, then it'll try and load the uh, CommonJS modules. And it caches that, so it won't have to do that lookup ever again once it's done it. Um, but yeah, that is, in in their mind right now, that seems to be the only viable solution that doesn't break the entire ecosystem right now. But that's not the only proposal. There's also this uh, defense of .js, and we'll put a a link in the show notes to that that repo. Um, oh, one more thing I was going to say about about or a couple other things I was going to say about .mjs actually. Um, so, do you guys think that the browser would end up adopting something like .mjs as well, or like that's my biggest hang up on it, it? I think it should. Does to it, be honest, because again. When you hit HTTP2 and the server is able to look at the MJS file and say these are statically analyzable and I can start pushing code from them and reading it on the server side, that's 
that's a decent benefit. Whereas if you have just .js, you have to analyze each file um, ahead of time and not know that you can do that. Like you have to just take it as it is. Does it need to be a separate file name though? Couldn't it just be this file type? What do you mean? Like they have text JavaScript. Couldn't it be JavaScript slash module or something like that? They do have a script uh, type equals module. Yeah. You, you think the browsers would would do it just uh, for fun? Yep. Yeah. So that's how it'll be how it'll be used, and I think that uh, I don't know. Work has most of the work on the loader has been around that right now, uh, from what I've read. Um, but other hard problems exist for name resolution and so on. But yeah, Node doesn't have uh, a script tag like that, which is why they want this file extension oh, yeah. to differentiate. Um, but yeah, that, yeah, that's my biggest thing is if it doesn't work in, I mean, if it, if it, if it's not going to be consistent between the browser and node, then I don't know. It doesn't feel like a clean solution to me. I'm hoping, you know, the more we talk about it, the more I'm hoping they might adopt it. I'm not a super fan of node going off and doing their own thing, but from a holistic point of view, you know, you can't run MJS files. Like you just can't. Um, like, aren't aren't you? Are you still gonna? You're still gonna have to have index.js or a main file that uses these modules to actually do something, right? Right. Well, an index.mjs um, or an index.js. But an MJS would be encapsulated in a module. It wouldn't actually do anything, would it? Right. I think. Yeah. The other, like, I don't know. This also, because it won't be treated. It might not be treated the same way in the browser. And because, uh, I, I don't know, to me it just feels like this is making it a, um, making the standard module syntax that is built into the language kind of a second-class citizen on Node, which doesn't doesn't make sense. You should be trying to deprecate CommonJS and not just always have CommonJS be the de facto default for everything. Well, let me, let me ask in... If you're using ESM, like you're using ES6 modules, um, today what we do is is we write everything, like we even write our application, like our main.js in ESM. And because it transpiles to another format, that's no problem. But we can't actually, we, can we actually run an ESM module? Like in the future, when we have an ESM loader, and there's an actual module format, and those modules are encapsulated as a single module. Like, how will we run those things? Like, I guess we'll need imports, but we we wouldn't have an export at at a top level, right? You can. Or we can have, a... have an entry point like Java. We're gonna have like a static main that enters in that that's our entry point, or a default that that's their entry point. Have we solved any of that yet? No. Uh, I thought that it would be. I don't actually know. I don't know for, off the top of my head for sure. Um, but yeah, that's an interesting question. So I maybe this is just a point of like, he who ships first, and now the, the browser has to follow suit with a solution? I don't know. Like, I don't like that, but yeah. Other languages have this... Um, in an article I was reading, what an example is Perl. Perl has PL files for executable profiles and PM 
for Perl modules. Um, not saying we should model Perl or anything, but I mean there is precedence for something like this. But my biggest thing is if the browser's not going to follow suit, then it just it seems like it's a mistake from the beginning. And so with that, there are other people who share that concern. And so there's this defense of .js repo on GitHub that discusses an alternative, and it's exactly what you uh, mentioned, Paul, where you would just define what you're loading, uh, what module syntax you're using in your package.json, and it would just break tooling until tools got smart enough to fix that. And the nice thing is, is you're, you're doing it in JSON, so uh, the one nice thing and the reason that, that JSON is so popular is that pretty much any language can parse it really easily. Uh, so, you know, you can understand what are ES modules, what are CommonJS modules in your bash scripts or in any other language that you're writing, if you're writing a rake file or whatever. They can load in the package.json pretty easily and understand what files are or what. So with that, you can define your main file and you can also define uh, modules, a module file or a module property, and that is um, a path to the files that are ES modules and not common JS modules. So it will treat them differently, anything that matches that path. And then you can also define modules.root um, and all files that are within that directory uh, are automatically just assumed to be ES modules. So the nice thing is if you don't have any of that, things just still work regularly. Uh, but if you, um, if you define those, then a future node loader can understand and give you back the ES modules instead. Huh. I like that. And, and I'm not sure what the purpose of, you know, keeping back compatibility for the old node engines is other than to have like uh, a no support .js type thing. Like, <laughs> oh, you know, we're using ESMs. I guess you could put in like a separate system JS loader or something and go from there as a solution, but potentially. I don't However, know. I'm it's June of 2016 and I'm using Node 0.10 right now. Fancy, fancy Nick. Why are you using Node 0.10? Uh, because that's what the client's using. Oh, in production, it's a zero. Uh, I mean, we're doing all front end stuff, but all of our <laughs> tooling is built around 0.10. Oh. We'll put that sucker in Docker and be done with it. I don't know what that is. <laughs> Never mind. All right. It's a, that's another show. No, um, I mean, it's all front end. I don't understand where the... I just have tools that, like, grunt tasks and, and other tools that are Node. Yeah. Yeah, so you can create a Docker, um, a Docker uh, virtual machine or a Docker container that runs your node 0.10, and then you can just on the command line do your compilation through that. Is that simpler than just using NVM? It depends on how many projects you're using. Hmm. But when you're using something like Docker, you know that everybody's using it, and you're, you're going to remove like the variance between developer, development environments. Hmm. So again, if you're scaling... Yes, it, it helps. I, I picture you're Docker in my mind as Vagrant project. right now, and I think that's the problem. I picture it as this big, monstrous VM. Yeah, that's VM. a big problem. Yeah. <laughs> I'll show you sometime. I, I have a Docker thing for a project I'm working on, and it uses um, NPM scripts to run it, 
and it it starts up, runs, and does my build uh, maybe two seconds longer than it does to take to do the normal build process because it has to to kick off and, and start up. But it's it's sweet as far as that goes because you can also use it in your continuous integration environments. Thanks. Without having to redefine what node is in those environments, which is a pain in the butt. The uh, back to to the node oh, module resolution. No, I, I, there's just one more thing I wanted to to throw out there. Do you think that potentially, regardless of which solution is chosen, it seems like those are the two uh, solutions that are being proposed. The .mjs seems to. I think there's a pull request that was accepted, but it's it's not uh, like it. There's no official planned release of that yet. I don't think, um, but. Um, do you think that regardless of whichever proposal is accepted, do you think that that has the, um, potential to create another rift and another IOJS, for example? I hope so. I mean, <laughs> IOJS happened and then they got stuff done. And so like another rift can't be bad, right? <laughs> Well, I mean, it could. It fixed things. It it caused problems, then it fixed things. So but another that, one would that wouldn't that make, like, you know, enterprises lose trust in the node environment, the node ecosystem, especially after one guy can take down the internet with LeftPad. I, I I think it's important that enterprises realize that this is how the open source pro process works. That when you have open source software creating a fork and exploring an alternative is a valid way of of not only protest and disagreement but also to test out a new theory and then um if it's if it's just like iojs and there was a, a change that was necessary then that hopefully gets merged back in and if not you know people have to follow a fork for a while until one wins out over the other do you think a better solution would be instead of the this this uh, discussion and um, you know foundation around everything that just having a self-appointed benevolent dictator for life on node would be a better way and just says this is how we're doing it I don't know does Trump know node very well or <laughs> <laughs> who are you nominating one of the greatest at it I, I'm pretty sure that, that Ryan Dahl just took credit and it was all Trump oh that makes a lot of sense. Or, I'm no, nominating I'm Ryan Dahl learned everything he knew from Trump University and then went on to create Node. So yeah, uh, makes sense. Yeah, I was going to nominate Bernie Sanders, but I assume he wouldn't get <laughs> it. So because he doesn't have the popular vote. Sorry, Tori. <sighs> <laughs> um, one one thing you brought up during this conversation that we talked about that was actually really interesting to me is. Um, when you have yes six modules, like we don't have a module loader yet, and we don't have any script tags, like the entry point, is it going to be like a plain JavaScript file that only has imports and no exports? Or are you going to be able to use any ESM module and that they would expect like the default export of a, of a runnable ESM module to be like a function? So it would be kind of like, you know, in C++, you have your, your main uh, function or in in JavaScript or Java, you have your um, you have your static main that you you run your your code in, into your entry with, you know, like you can run any static function in Java and and, and whatnot. But 
you know, how are they going to do that in ESM? And I think it really benefits everybody if they figure that out sooner rather than later before Node or some other Yahoo comes out with a solution for them. Yep. I'd also like to caveat that none of us are real experts or contributors, uh, major contributors to Node. So um, this is a complex problem, and I understand why both sides exist. Uh, and so if we got things wrong or don't understand things fully, uh, tweet us and let us know. But just know that we have that caveat that we're not experts. Well, actually, after my course at Trump University um, on mental gymnastics, <laughs> you can let us know that we're wrong and we're just going to ignore that fact and create our own facts, um, which are true. How can you be wrong? You're so unbelievably great. Exactly. Congratulations. I mean, this is facts. This is the greatest podcast on the internet, um, probably in the world. I've heard that from a lot of people. A lot of people really say that, you know, we're, we're really great at it. And that's good. That's really great. Like, I really, you know, I respect all of you. Um, this, it's a really great podcast. And, and I'm, you know, glad to be the greatest on this really great podcast. It's yeah, great. We're going to really make podcasts great again. Everyone, everyone, everyone's going to come around and, and install this on their iPods. In the golden age of podcasting. <laughs> Our podcast. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, anything else you guys want to wrap it up with? That's, that's no. No one cares. Know. Okay, cool. I guess we'll just Nick, like... Nick was humming a few bars on the break, so yeah. Nick can sing us out. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, thanks to my computer and or Skype or whatever it is um, for the fun time I've had this afternoon recording this. Um, and thank you guys for putting this together and big thanks to everyone who's listening for listening. Um, tell your friends about the greatest podcast you've ever listened to. Um, and tell them to listen to. Rock on. Thanks. I'll count to get you started. <laughs> One, two, three, four. I'll count to get you started. One, two, three, four. I'll start it. Get you, get you, get you, get you. One, two, three, four. I was rolling down the window. Cause I like to feel the wind blow. We got a good thing. Gonna see where the day goes. Take it fast, take it real slow. We got a good thing.
I'll count to get you started. One, two, three, four. I'll count to get you started. One, 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 two, three, four. I'll start it. Get you, get you, get you, get one, count, two, three, four. I was rolling down the window, cause I like to feel the wind blow. We got a good thing. Gonna see where the day goes. Take it fast, take it real slow. We got a good thing.